Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Yes, it's Man Up, the weekly podcast where we take a look at the Bible from the perspective of ordinary working men. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys hoping you'll join us as we go along our spiritual journey. This is podcast 162, a non-COVID-19 Major League Baseball season. We are up to chapter 5 in our study of the book of Daniel, and I'm going to say it, guys. I've seen the writing on the wall. Oh, oh, God. He's got it off right away, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew yeah, did you understand it? it? Did, you, did you understand it? No, no, it? that's why you guys are here, because, because <laughs> you're going to help us all. You're going you're gonna to interpret this with me. We're all here in the Man Up Zoom room. It's a virtual, another virtual meeting, but we're all in various places around Sugarland and Southwest uh, Houston. Uh, with me in the Zoom room is Bill Cox, actor, speaker, filmmaker, DJ, and most important of all, our director, who is usually host, but since he's spending his days in rehab from hip surgery, for the time being, we're letting him put his feet up for the podcast and take a role as panelist and scripture reader. Yeah, nice. I'm, re I'm, recuper I'm recuperating from surgery and from the podcast. That's right. <laughs> Which is tougher. Right. And, uh, also with me, hey, is the professor Robert Koshu. He's a world-class corporate trainer for a Fortune 100 company. Also in our Zoom room is the as well is our uh, is our is our prosecutor. Michael Cropper, yep. and he's yep. here to keep us in line. Uh, we call him the judge. I'm Steve Titch. I'm a retired policy writer, but since I play some poker, when at least we're not social distancing, these guys have nicknamed me the gambler. So this week, it's Daniel chapter 5, 1 through 31, and it's it's one of the creepiest stories you'll find in the Bible. I like it. It's a, you know, a disembodied hand is crashing the king of Babylon's party and, and scratches a dire message on the wall. And, you know, it has, has this Raiders of the Lost Ark feel, which I, I don't think here I'll throw in pop culture. It's not off base because both the movie and this story show God's response when people misappropriate and misuse temple artifacts. So, uh, Professor Koshu, what are some of your opening thoughts? So we're going to get a couple of things here and, and, and a couple of man lessons from this. Um, number one, we get hubris again. Um, it, it's kind of interesting as I has now we've been through Daniel a little bit, how much hubris there is in Daniel. Um, the old Greek word for pride. Um, which is a little bit more than pride, but that's kind of a loose translation of it. And then we're also going to have a little bit of a conversation about um, what it means to keep your status as a um, Christian. 
in the world? And how do you keep your reputation up as a Christian as other people look at you? And then well, last little peek, and we'll kind of talk about this. Michael hit on this, I'm sure, as he hits on it. I, I read something today that, you know, changes a river. And we're in constant change now, especially now, more so. This book, I was reading a book by Ken Blanchard today, and it's a book on leadership. And he talked about that we're in a whitewater constant world now. Because mm. when you're doing river, whitewater is always change. And the history behind this passage and what's going on kind of reflects that change that is constantly ongoing. Hey, Bill, what do you think? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I totally agree with the professor. Um, it, it is about hubris, but I think a less, the man lesson is this, is that uh, know your limits. You, there's, it's one thing to be confident, but, but know that th there needs to be a limit before you cross over into that pride. And the thing about it is, at, at the end of this lesson, Daniel is confident. He's confident in his ability to make the translation of the writing on the wall, but he doesn't cross that line into pride. And I think that's one thing that really uh, uh, stuck out to me in that le in the, in the lesson that he was confident in his ability but he didn't take it too far. And I think that's the, the difference between that and the king. And uh, excellent, excellent lesson, and, and total, a total man lesson, too. Well, well Mike, um, this, this, oh. is, this story, actually, last, last week we covered Nebuchadnezzar, but I think we fast-forwarded quite a bit, because now we have a new king, uh, this may this may be actually several decades after Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, so so where are we right now? And you do remember last week, uh, everyone that that uh, we depict another dream of King Nebuchadnezzar in lesson five, and he was a tree. <laughs> and uh, in that that lesson, he was a big enormous tree that that sheltered all the animals and fed the nations and everybody alike. But the tree reached to heaven. And uh, it, it took me a while to figure out that the tree reaching to heaven was the was Nebuchadnezzar's own point of view of himself, and we talked about that a little bit about. But he became very proud. Now God humbled the tree itself. Remember, he's a tree, and Nebuchadnezzar is a tree, and he chopped down the tree and trashed it. <laughs> and then uh, the the second part of the the uh, experience was that God humbled King Nebuchadnezzar by giving him the brain of an animal and forcing him to live as a wild animal in the fields, which he did until he understood that God was truly the eternal God and that he was a holy God. And that fact, he had been placed over Babylon. He had not created or, or conquered the kingdom all by himself, but God had a purpose for him and put him over the great empire of Babylon. Now, we are, we are not told how... Coming back to today's lesson, we're not told how long King Nebuchadnezzar served as the ruler of Babylon. Folks, if you follow us in Daniel, there's, there's quite a bit of jumping. And Steve is very right. There may be 20 or 30 years here from the time. Actually, that I, I can answer that question. Um, you actually uh, have according the, to Herodotus, 
uh, Nebuchadnezzar ruled for 43 years. So, okay. so the, he, he had a, he had a real long reign. So I'm okay. not to interrupt. And, and, no, and no, that's good. No, that's good. Um, we are not told, today's lesson says that the, the king that we're going to be dealing with or looking at in the lesson, Belshazzar, is his son, but in reality, it's his grandson. There is a, a, a son, according to the author, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and I don't see a correct spelling of that, but anyway, he's in between. So again, I don't know the period of time from the time Nebuchadnezzar. There, there uh, is about, again, I'm, I'm, I guess I prepared this for my class. There, there is about a six year Six, Six years, years of some power vacuum filling. Okay. Good. And and, and um, there is actually the, the, the character, the king, quote unquote, in this, in this section is really the, the regent. And um, the, the actual king of Babylon may have been captured by the, by the Persians, by the Median Persians by this time. But uh, let's see who we are. Um, the current, you know, the current, the current king in this story is the regent, uh, that's Belshazzar. Uh, yeah. He's, that's why in the story he will, he will tempt or, you know, propose that Daniel be made third highest in the kingdom. That's because Belshazzar is second. Um, and, well, uh, and I will look so up the king's name is, is actually first. Um, and the, the, the Persians, the Persians and the Medeans are practically at the gates at this story, uh, as yeah. the story begins. And, and that's what makes this even more of a kind of a, a hubris uh, aspect because, um, and, and I won't, I, later on, if I had a chance, because Herodotus does cover what happens here historically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but we are talking about a lot of hubris here of Belshazzar's yeah, well, behavior. Nabonidus was Nebuchadnezzar. there. You are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. At the time. So anyway, what, what I want to go to real quick and remind us something, we may or may not talk about this, but in lesson four, uh, we know that the, the King Nebuchadnezzar built a great statue to himself made of, uh, uh, pardon me, which he supposedly came from his dream in, in, in lesson three. And this uh, statute he ordered was made of gold, or at least it was made of wood and covered with gold. So it's an enormous statute. And he ordered everybody to worship it. And the three Hebrew men would not, would not worship that statute. Now, the, the interesting comment he makes here, and this is gonna, we're going to look at somewhat of a challenge too here. When King Nebuchadnezzar is about to throw the three Hebrew men into the, uh, the furnace because they refused to worship his image, he says directly to him, he says, who is this God who will deliver you out of my hands? And let me tell you, when you challenge God, when you, when you do this, this is no longer a challenge to the Hebrew men. This is a challenge to their God. He steps in. We see that throughout the Old Testament when that occurs, when they actually directly throw something in his face. But anyway, as you remember, God shows up for the challenge and he miraculously delivers, delivers the three Hebrew men. The day's lesson is a similar challenge to God, but maybe we will, like we said, we'll talk about it a little bit more. While King Belshazzar and his yeah. friends are feasting and, and drinking, as Steve mentioned at the first, they bring in goblets and glasses that are taken from King Solomon's temple, which are dedicated to the Hebrew God, to Jehovah. And those items are holy, period. The only ones that could use those or drink from those would be 
the priests and the rabbis of the Aaron uh, descent. So anyway, as you mentioned already, this story is about Daniel's good reputation and a practical sense of it. And I know we'll get to talking about that as well. So anyway, I'm looking forward to the lesson, guys. All right. Deacon Kyle, our, our man now. from Louisiana, our spirit of service. Uh, <laughs> we can hear you. How are you doing? Um, you came in while, while we uh, were beginning our, our kind of intros. So I'll go to you and, and, you know, if there's anything you want to add before we go to the reading. Yes. Well, uh, it was one of those fun technical issues. Apparently, I've been having them all day. I bumped the little button on the microphone and just turned it plumb off. So, um, you know, I, I hope people identify with me. I'm that, uh, you know, crazy Catholic that didn't get all this upbringing and studying. And, you know, um, you know it, it, it is even sometimes tough for me to tune in, you know, to, to our own podcast, something that I really enjoy doing. You know, because sometimes the, I, I mean, I, I read it, I get it, I see it, I understand it, but sometimes it just doesn't grab me. I mean, I, you know, I read through the whole thing. Sometimes I, I'll bring in extra, uh, you know, the message or different versions of the Bible. And still, you know, I, I just find it hard sometimes to correlate it back to my own life, to where we are today. And by tuning in though, um, you know, I learned this from my wife cause she used to be in choir before, uh, some knee issue thing and, and climbing stairs, but she would say that, Oh, I don't want to go, you know, on Wednesday night was choir and I, I don't feel like going, but she'd go and then come home. So uplifted. And, you know, the, the point is, is sometimes I may not have a lot of input, but I learn a lot by tuning in. And I, I hope other people out there feel the same way as me, you know, maybe they get the Bible more than me, you know, I, that's the main hope, I guess. But uh, so I, I look forward to hearing the rest of what we got to go. Well, this is go. Well, this is your info. This is a great story. This is, this is, you know, I always loved this when I was a kid. It was always, it, it grabs your imagination. So uh, we are going to go to the reading. Uh, we've got, we've got Bill. Uh, so uh, let's go right ahead. Daniel 5, 1 through 31. Belshazzar, the king, held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. When Belshazzar tasted the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temples, which was in Jerusalem, so the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and concubines, drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face drew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him, and his hip joints went slack, and his knees began knocking. The king called aloud to bring in the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners. 
the king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, Any man who can read this inscription and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple and have a necklace of gold around his neck and have authority as third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the inscription or make known its interpretation to the king. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even paler, and his nobles were perplexed. The queen entered the banquet hall because of the words of the kings and his nobles. The queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is a spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, Chaldeans, and diviners. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas, and solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel, who the king named Belteshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned, and he will declare the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one with the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? Now I have heard aloud you that a spirit of the gods is in you, and that illuminations, insight, and extraordinary wisdom has been found in you. Just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me, that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me. But they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you, that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you are able to read the inscriptions and make the interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said to the king, Keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the, the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. O king, the most high God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the people's nation and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whoever he wished, he killed, and whoever he wished, he spared alive, and whomever he wished, he elevated, whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he became, behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away, away from him. He was also driven away from mankind, and his heart was made like that of beast, and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind, and that he sets over it whomever he wishes. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. 
but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, have been drinking wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which you do not see, hear, or understand. But the God in whose hands are your life breath and all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. Now, this is the inscription that was written out. Many, many, tekel, upsharin. This is the interpretation of the message. Many, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Paris. Your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave orders, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. That same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. So Darius, the Mede, received the kingdom at about the age of 62. Okay, thank you. Robert, you started it off talking about uh, hubris, and certainly we have a fine case of hubris here, both using the loot from the Jerusalem well, temple to it, toast gods, it, and then it's the whole idea. That. Yeah. It's more than that. So it starts out with the number two guy, not the number one guy, decides to throw a party like he's the number two, one guy. And he invites everybody. And then he says, oh, this is going so good. We're drinking so good. We're having a good time. And and you really kind of get the feeling that maybe might have had a couple of couple in him already. Hey, hey. Oh, yeah. Did, did, didn't we capture, like, this great golden temple when there were goblets? Bring those here! <laughs> you know, bring those in. Let's drink to them. Oh, by the way, this all matches our God. So, hey, this is the God of silver, and this is the God of gold, and this is the God of wood, and we should toast to them. Yeah, this is probably the height of hubris. And not only that, but I want you to think about this. He's killed that night. More than likely... Nabonidus is out in the field fighting the army that's basically on the doorsteps of the city getting ready to invade. So he, he's throwing a party while you're under siege. He gets cocky enough that he orders the stuff in, and then he gets measured <laughs> and found wanting. <laughs> You know, doesn't this remind you, fellas, though, of uh, um, immaturity? Uh, doesn't it remind you of uh, the entitled guy that has a party at his parents' house, breaks open their liquor cabinet, and then uh, in all of his pride and exalting himself, end up maybe getting in a car 
uh, drag racing up and down the street and killing himself. Yeah, you, you, you know what I'm saying? It's it's almost uh, a show's pride with no limits, and and that's kind of what you see in you know the immaturity level. It it just he. He has he has no limitation on himself. Jesus uh, spoke a, a particular parable, and he uh, he told his apostles and the disciples about the man who owned a great farm, I think a ranch, and he he collected a great 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 profit from his uh, from his fields, and he says, you know what, I'm going to tear down my storage bins and I'm going to build new ones and bigger ones because I'm just gonna be the wealthiest man there is. And he has a very similar pride among him. However, I, I, I don't recall that he necessarily challenged the Lord or challenged Jesus, but Jesus said, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And that particular guy died that night. So uh, yes, pride plays a great, great part in some of the disciplinary lessons that go in the Bible. And uh, um, that's one of them. And then. Uh, I will pass it back to you, Bill, if you want. Well, you know, you know for, or, for, Bill, for Bill's point there, you know, um, we were all young and stupid once, I believe, for the most part. I, I know most of our stories, and there's, for most of us, there's at least that one really dumb moment in our life. Um, and, and, you know, Bill, you were saying, you know, the, the kid throwing parties at the parents' house and opening up the liquor cabinet. And I was thinking, wow, did he look into my childhood? I was the kid that grew up in the country and had the, the, the right location to throw a big thing. And we did, we opened up the parents liquor cabinet and all of that. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I, I but you, the thing about it is you grew out of it though. And, well, it, and, but see, and he didn't and have see, a that's change. The thing. He, really. he didn't have a chance. He did something really <laughs> stupid. All right. Uh, I allowed people to park in my front yard during a rainy season and they put big ruts in my yard. <laughs> he, he broke out the chalice and the cup that the blood of Christ goes in. So to speak. Well, yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, figured it way out. Figured it out. Was, the, the holy it, relic, the holy. It, you know, things it, it that was are used in religious ceremonies. It was yeah, before yeah. it was used for the blood of Christ, but the same basic principle goes all the way back that it was a reverent uh, article that was used in very religious ceremonies. Plus, plus, you know, the not only is he, not only is he being, not as the hubris there. He's kind, he's kind of blind, but. He's he's for for those again. I, I looked so Babylonia, the capital of Babylon, was about sixty miles south of where Baghdad is today. The ruins are there, um, and the and and Herodotus actually visited the place about a hundred hundred and ten years after this happened, and and it is a, a very interesting history. The the. The Persians and the Medes are, are outside the gates. Babylon was a very successful empire. This is its last night, friends. This is the last night of the Babylonian Empire, which uh, and is now 539 BC. Uh, Babylon goes back maybe as early as 1900 BC, where it, where it kind of grew out of the Sumerian Empire. But 
in the 1700s. Remember, you studied the Code of Hammurabi in school. That was the old Babylonian Empire. It, it kind of had some ups and downs, and, and, and archaeologists and historians called this the Neo-Babylonian Empire. But it is, it is, it has been going for centuries, and it is a it is one of the most stunning cities of the ancient world. It's very well fortified with walls, and that's probably what uh, Belshazzar thought was going to protect him. He, and so here he is partying while literally his doom, the doom of his culture, is sitting probably not much more than a mile or two away. And uh, it will all, as, as it comes down, and yeah, and, and it's, it's, it goes back to kind of the theme I think we've been seeing in Daniel about hubris in general and about that God has everything, really, God's running everything. God knows exactly what's going on, and things, things rise and fall. Uh, empires will rise and fall at God's whim. And, you know, you could you better hear that, that it was going to come anyway, or that, you know, here we are, Belshazzar just hurried it along by his incredible act of sacrilege. I think one important thing again to repeat, which uh, Bill read, uh, is that the, um, Daniel says quite bluntly to King Belshazzar, he says, you're uh, he says, you know, you have drank from these holy, holy goblets and holy vessels. And he says, you praised every God, every God you can think of, except the one God that holds your life in his hands. You didn't even mention him. Mm -hmm. And that that's uh, um, that to me is, is probably the most, most uh, uh, damning or condemning statement that Daniel could make because he said you knew not to do that from your grandfather if it is Nebuchadnezzar you knew not to do that you knew everything that occurred to him and you did not listen to it you did not regard it you did not you took it lightly so we'll be back in a moment to talk uh, more about Daniel chapter 5 and the writing on the wall after this you are listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now back to the No Church Answers Tour and the fellows of Man Up. We're back. Uh, this is the Man Up podcast uh, coming to you from Sugarland, Texas. Uh, we are discussing and studying Daniel chapter five, uh, the entire chapter really, the, the writing on the wall, the famous story of Belshazzar, the last, the last king, the last region of Babylon has a huge party, breaks out, breaks out artifacts from that were looted from Jerusalem's temple. God responds by a hand on the wall. And the, the writing, let's talk a little about the writing. We were getting into this many, many Tekel of Harsin um, I'll go to our scholar, 
Robert. Oh, before Unz. you go to oh, hey, before yes. you go to him, <laughs> because I won't be able to oh. follow Robert. I was going to say thank God he wasn't going to be. I don't have much on this right. actually, but go, go, go to junior high first, okay? Before you go to the professor. No, you know what I was saying about it though. I really think, and and, and this happens with men. I think basically by the time we're we are uh, older and a little bit more experienced. We understand when we're crossing that line, when we're we're getting too full of ourselves, and uh, and I think that uh, well, our wives definitely let us know. Right. Well, yes, okay, they no did. Kidding. Yeah, but the king, when he saw the writing on the wall with the hand, and it says in the text that he turned pale. He knew it was bad, and you know, and he immediately wanted to go ahead and have that interpreted. He knew it was bad, but also in this in this story too, Daniel is older, and he uh, and and I sense that he's at the end of his life. He's not pulling any punches. He just tells him exactly the way it is. You don't have to give me the robe. I have no need for a gold necklace. All that is fine. But this is what it means, be as it may. And, you know, um, so that's that's the two things that I see. The one is that the king, he knew, he knew, uh, a hand writing on the wall in the middle of the party was not a good thing. <laughs> and, 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 and Daniel is messing with me, man. Well, you know, Bill, Bill, they probably had their horror stories back then, also, right? It's no like when you're a kid today, you get told stories about ghosts and goblins and whatever else, ghosts and demons, whatever. We have plenty of movies pointing that out so back then they had those stories too this is not new to our generation of the ones before us so they had their stories uh, uh, regarding possible ghosts and possible demons and uh boy when that hand comes out without a head or an arm or shoulder or legs <laughs> or body boy i'll tell you what that would have scared me even being bad Christian. news Yes, I would have been absolutely. looking at my water goblet and going, what did you put in this thing? Right. <laughs> no, it, it's a good point, Bill. Right. So a, a point that hit me on this, um, you know, after Daniel, well, a couple of things. They, it, I'm seeing just multiple times through Daniel that they use both of his names, whereas like for his other guys, uh, Medshack, Reshack, and Abednego, they always seem to use that name, which was given to them, but they always seem to use multiple names. The queen did it when she came out. The guy named uh, Belteshar let Daniel now be summonsed. So she used both names, which I, I just see an interesting uh, thing going on, whether that's anything or not. But I think that reflects position. Well, maybe, but... I think it's a compliment. Yeah, I think it's a compliment. It could be that, that, okay, well, you know, the the first king named him this, and Mm -hmm. because you have such good high standings and everything, um, we'll call you by your middle name, so to speak, which is his real name. Um, The other point was uh, around the necklace. 
Um, I, I didn't catch this again. This is why I like it because I hear different people reading or different versions, different inflections, whatever. Uh, it was the way that Bill said it. The necklace all of a sudden reminded me of Moses that it was the necklace that he ripped off after he killed the, the guy. And, you know, here you have Daniel being put on a very similar gold necklace, at least in my head. It's the, you know, what I envision. And it was just a similarity to bring those two characters from the Bible together. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Do you guys think, a uh, question, this is just following up, just for your opinion. Do you think Daniel knew that his life would be taken that night? Or at least very soon? You know, when it happened to Nebuchadnezzar, when he was went crazy, when God said he was going to to rip his kingdom from him for seven years or seven seven times, and then uh, he was represented by the tree, it, 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 there wasn't any rush on it. It took up to about a year, right? And this time, Daniel says, uh, your, your kingdom is going to end. I, I just wonder if Daniel knew and said no more. If he I, I, I give him credit for being work. the smartest guy in the room. And yeah, see, and I mean, and he's already like, like I said, Bill, he's, 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 he may be 80 years old or so if we, yeah. you know. Oh, absolutely. Maybe 90 even. Yeah. And, and, and it is, you know, things you know, maybe later in this study, we could talk about Daniel and, and, and kind of his, his lifespan and, 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 and where he fits in, in a lot of religions, but, uh, he's 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 seen it all. Yeah, I think you're you're right. Um, and at this point, he just walks in and more or less says, "It's over." I mean, his his third his his robe his all those trappings he gets, Kyle, last are going to last him about six more hours or so. Yeah. That's yeah. the way things are going. So he's That's not. You know, goal. he knows they don't mean much, and. You know what? What's you wonder? Interesting. What's going through his head here? He's like, I've seen this all. Uh, you know, with with Nebuchadnezzar and his 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 conversions. Every so often, he you know bows down to God, then goes back to his 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 own idol worship. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and at this point, I mean, he doesn't. I don't think Daniel even at this point admonishes him for using. The, did, does he admonish them for using the the, yeah, the goblets from the so. temple? Um, I, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. he yeah. does. Um, right. And he does, but he doesn't go into a long speech saying uh, a, a long Elijah type speech where, all right, I'm, things are being called down on you. He basically comes in and says, guys, it's over. And that's what that says. The, yeah. party, I, I, the party's over. <laughs> I don't detect that this he party. has this yes. right. This party, so yeah. I don't. I don't detect that he has the same kind of uh, relationship as he had as a young man with Nebuchadnezzar, because uh, you, you're right. He's older. He sees his own mortality, and this young king. I mean, certainly younger than Daniel is. He probably doesn't have the history with him. Uh, and so he just tells him just the way it is and, you know, drops the hammer and then leaves. And, and I think, you know, um, 
he doesn't really seem to go into uh, to try to change him. Uh, and at times I kind of feel the same way. I don't fix people. And I think that's exactly what he's doing. He's just reading the writing on the wall, interpreting yeah. it for you. And that, and that's basically it. Yeah, I, I've got a question for you then on, on this because see, I just thought of this as, as you, the, the the idea of he's 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 not he kind of gives Nebuchadnezzar a couple of tips of like you how to be better exactly go crazy if you get a little more merciful and a little more humble and right. you may not find yourself behaving like an ox and eating grass. Um, <laughs> obviously, Nebuchadnezzar does not. Here, there's none of that. So, what are we in? Where, where is Mel? I mean, we're we're in, we're bosses, we're employers, we we we're we're in relationships. At what point do you say, this isn't going to change? It's over. Sorry, no more second chances. Um, I can I, right, I so can tell you ex exactly how I do it. I will, especially if it's somebody that I value. I train, I will retrain, I will retrain until that person tells me they do not want to be retrained. When, they're, when they are not willing to put forth any effort because it, it's going to become redundant because it's the same issues. And when you go get to the root of the problem, and I'm sure professor as a professional trainer sees it all the time, it it's nothing new. It's the same issues. You give the, that particular person the opportunity by retraining, but there comes a certain point when even they don't want to be retrained. It just goes against their drain. And, and when that becomes apparent to both of you, it's time to part ways. But so, all right, with that being said, though, you know, uh, again, me being the novice in the room, to me anyway, um, you know, the junior high guy, um, uh, I've lost the way to explain that. Um, well, let, let, let me add in why you think yeah. about that for a moment. So when we look, when we look at performance from a corporate world, and I always, I, I'm a trainer, but it's really performance management. It's a lot of it. You always have, when you have a bad pro person, there's one of three things. Okay. Either the person was trained wrong, it's a bad job fit, or they're a total screw up. And you always have to decide hmm. which of those three, you know, it is. And I'm kind of like Bill. As long as I felt like the person could just do it, people would give me a hard time because we would have the smartest guy in a class when I was doing weekly classes, which would go six weeks at a time, but I was doing back-to-back -back classes. There'd be a guy who would show up, be blowing test out at 100, and I would ignore him all the time. And people were like, why are you ignoring him? Well, let's see. We started at 8. He shows up at 8.15 every other day. He's always the first one out the door. He's not really trying. He's just kind of there punching a the clock. But here's this other guy. He's making 80, but you know what? He's here at 730 looking for help. He's staying late. He's sitting through lunch talking to me. He's got the right attitude. I'll spend the time with that person. And, and I think this goes to the second thing. I, when I first started, I want to talk about a little bit is how do you maintain your reputation among non-believers? Because it's amazing 
Nebuchadnezzar's been gone six years, I think you said, Steve. Is that well, six right? Six years, be, six years between Minimum. Nebuchadnezzar, and then this 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 current okay. this current reign has been going on. I think. A, a, at least a decade for a while right so remember this has come and gone a while yeah so mm -hmm. daniel was known to nebuchadnezzar and everybody else those guys have been gone for a while and in today's mm -hmm. vernacular that falls into the what have you done lately for me <laughs> right. you know um, thing so go ahead kyle for the trainer thing, I, I'm with Bill. I, I've been a trainer. I've trained people most of my career as well, not at the full corporate level as some of us there with the professor. But, um, you know, you said when is when do you say it's enough? You know, well, this person it just isn't going to train. They're untrainable, if you will. <laughs> but Daniel is speaking to God. When did God say, well, you know what? It's a lost cause. You know, and that, it, to me, that's where I find the disconnect. Because well, that's the like, writing. That's what the, I think so. That's, he that's crossed the line. He crossed the line. Yes. But wouldn't God try to give that beforehand? I mean, the guy was dead that night, you know, so he didn't get a chance to really reform other than a, what would you say? Six hours? Or ish, you know. Well, and, and, um, and my question is, how long had had God been working and had Daniel around before we get to the point with the writing on the wall? But you just <laughs> said that he's been kind of out of the limelight, if you will, mm -hmm. out of the scenario for six plus years. How old was this king at this time? Does anybody know that fun little fact? He was not young. He was probably in his forties. In his 40s. Yeah. Okay, so Daniel would have grown up with this kid or around mm -hmm. this kid and have already had a, a notion of his disposition, if you will, where he, he lies. He's an idol worshiper, blah, blah, blah. He would have already, I'm guessing, during those years had his opportunity to impart Daniel and God's wisdom into his ways and it wasn't accepted. So at the end of this deal, I'm guessing that's why he just kind of went, well, you know, I worked on you for years. You never did it. You dismissed me after your dad was gone. Now you have this writing on the wall that you can't interpret. Now I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't get that uh, impression at all. Um, I don't get that. Uh, that Daniel had any kind of relationship with him because it had to be the queen that came up and told him about Daniel. Um, mm. and, okay. and, and I, and I, I would bet that this particular behavior of the King, uh, this was not the first time, uh, typically this kind of thing, uh, just continues on, you know, it's a, it's a, maybe it's a habit. It's it's just a, a character trait of what he is, and and then this uh, the writing on the wall was the final chapter, but there apparently there was plenty of other chapters that were very similar before we get to the final chapter. Uh, he might have been younger than I thought. Um, he he had been regent for at least fourteen or fifteen years. Uh, his father was king, um, 
And at, and it really only a couple of years after, uh, let me, his, his king became, and that was, that was Nebonidus. You got his name right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and he he became king um, in 556 BC. We're going to kind of have to go backwards. Uh, Nebonidus made Belshazzar co-regent in 553 BC, and this is now we're in 539. So it was about 14 years. So if Nebonidus was the father, Belshazzar, Belshazzar may have been co-regent when he was a teenager or or around you know 17. So he could he could easily be about 30 at this point. Which is middle aged in, in 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 ancient times, but he's no he's no he's no wizened wise elder here. He's still kind of living in the shadow of his father and kind of driving the Mercedes, so to speak, while dad's out of town. I like that driving the Mercedes <laughs> while dad's out of town. <laughs> so, but but I but this is a good point, though. You know, we don't we don't know the Bible's quite was what what he was doing, but. But we go back to all that, all that stuff in 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 the earlier chapters where Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar Babylon is not going to last forever, and it will give way to another empire, and you know, this simply could be it. Whether or not uh, you know, whether or not Belshazzar's <laughs> this is it's a good question. It's a highly Kyle, you're going into your highly Catholic question here. Is what? Why does? Why does? Aside from breaking out the uh, the the artifacts, which could be, you know, as we see in the Old Testament, one one small thing, and it's over. And yep. it's it's at, that could be that that could be that could be it. But what does he exactly do? Given what Nebuchadnezzar gets away with and lives to a fairly ripe old age. Yeah, good question. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's, there's a lot of questions, but, you know, really, you have to look at the takeaway from this. And and really, the, the takeaway is the thing of, you know, of pride. Knowing the difference between being confident and letting your hubris or your pride or your being or showing off get the best of you. And, and I really, I, I really think that that, you know, uh, regardless of the circumstances around it, the underlying message of this particular lesson is that, but then also the takeaway since we're in Daniel is how Daniel handles it. Da Daniel is an old guy and old guys just pretty much tell it the way it is and let the hammer drop and it dropped. There's a reason we're all grumpy old men at some point. <laughs> right, right. Well, then that's the takeaway. I, I yeah. see. Well, it, it's that, but I think it's also, I think it's, there's two. I think hubris is the big one, like you said. And I really do think the second takeaway really is that Daniel evidently lived his life in such a way and it provided such good advice to the kings beforehand that even though he had, quote-unquote, been out of power, been gone, been disappeared, however you want to phrase it, for six years, they were pretty, They were like, well, nobody else could do it. Go get Daniel. <laughs> right, right. That you is know. what, and getting back to, I, I just, I, as, we, as we approach the end, I do want you to hit on what you started to talk about, holding on to your principles 
when all around you is still, you know, just out of control. And yet Daniel, and this has been the story of, of Daniel. He remains respected. And where's, how can we be that? Um, we're, we're, we're Christians in a culture that can sometimes be hostile, certainly, certainly pushes back. Um, how can, you know, we still be a go-to guy? And the, in my mind, the culture is, for the most part, there are exceptions to this, ambivalent at best and hostile at worst. That it's ambivalent in the sense that, ah, that faith thing's good for you, but that's not really realistic. But if you want to be that way, okay, fine. Too, all the way too hostile. Um, I think it's, it, it goes back to stuff we talked about life at work, and guys chime in here, but I think it goes back to stuff we talked about back way, way back in that study, is do your best work. When you're doing work, do your, be known as the go-to guy. And your faith is your incidental part of you. Because I think, I do think that's a good testimony for people. You know, if you produce good work, yeah, Mike. Oh, yeah, right, right. What I was thinking myself, you know, and, and, and pretty much the author leans to this, and you're, you're suggesting that as well, all of you. Uh, first of all, you, you look at yourself and, and, and you think, what, what would your friends say about you if someone else was to ask your friends about you? what your reputation is, right? What your, mm-hmm. what your character is. And then you ask, what would your coworkers think about you? And you have, to, you have to separate yourself from yourself. You have to do it, try to look at it from an objective point of view. Do you know when to speak? And do you know when not to speak? Do you know when to stop speaking? Uh, do you use your wisdom when you speak? Do you try to speak out of knowledge and wisdom that God has given you? And and I think the key here, all of us knows this. All of you try, all of you try to. We try to listen to each other uh, before we interrupt each other, right? <laughs> but but uh-huh. do you do you insist on stating your opinion when whether or not the others around you want to hear it? And I think that's a key thing. And that was a big thing to me, learning when not to state my opinion if others really don't want to hear it. And, and I think Daniel was that way. The, the examples we've seen so far is, is, is he makes his point and then he stops with the exception of where he gave Nebuchadnezzar advice to, to change his life before he was going to become an animal or become like the animals of the field. He did rec- give him some recommendations. But anyway, the, the whole key here is, is, is knowing to speak, not to speak, and knowing how much to say and not to say, right? Right, right. Agree. Kyle, Green. any, any, Kyle, we've heard some wrap-ups from, from Mike, Robert, and Bill. No, any uh, final thoughts? <laughs> uh, Daniel's still delivering some bad news. He doesn't seem to give some warm and fuzzy stuff too often. Um, you know, some of the stuff he's, he's having to um, interpret hasn't been very fun to deliver. And, um, but he still does it, you know, and... That is a, a, a tough thing to do, um, you know, and, and he's, he's still rocking it out. I don't know. You know, again, it's, it's still one of those tough lessons for me. Um, I so appreciate y'all's knowledge and history and, and the lessons. It does make it easier to, to try and digest. And 
I'll be kind of running through a whole lot of this more in my mind the rest of the evening. So I appreciate cool, all of you cool, guys. Cool, cool, cool. Well, again, thank you guys. Thanks for being with us. Uh, you've been listening to the Man Up podcast. You can visit our website. We've got our biographies there, a little bit about us, profiles and such. Uh, we've got a blog going, and Bill's been pretty prolific for the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, you can find that at www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. You can find uh, 161 uh, archived podcasts on SoundCloud. Uh, we're also uh, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and probably in most places where you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and get a handle on what's coming up uh, each week and when we have something out on the site. Um, so, uh, guys, it's been great. Um, we'll uh, see you next week. We got one, well, we got one more interesting uh, tale about Daniel, uh, this time with uh, the Persians who are taking up residence in Babylonia. And so be with us for that. Uh, you've been listening to Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want anything. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man. Created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.